So uh, I just want you guys to know I miss you. Uh, tonight we're continuing on in our series, uh, Songs That Shape Us, in Psalm 33. Uh, I encourage you to pull that up if you, uh, since we're all on, you know, at least some amount of technology that can reach the internet, uh, you can you can find it on esv.org or some other Bible app. Uh, I'll be in the ESV just to give you a heads up. And as a reminder, we've entitled this series Psalms, uh, or sorry, Songs That Shape Us, because that is what the Psalms are, right? They're songs, uh, they're, they're the hymn book of God's people uh, designed to be sung uh, to shape our hearts to appreciate, desire, fear, and love uh, what God loves, uh, to feel how God wants us to feel. Uh, and, and, and these Psalms really give us words to do that. And tonight's psalm, Psalm 33, is a song for frustration, a song for frustration. Uh, As many of us are experiencing broken plans in the wake of uh, COVID-19, I thought it would be good to look at how uh, we are to experience uh, the great disappointments of life. Uh, Some of you probably had, I know actually, that some of you had internships or uh, some sort of uh, job plan for the summer. Maybe it was even in your field of choice or was going to get you uh, some sort of stepping stone closer to your dream job. Um, or maybe it was just something cool that you were looking forward to. Maybe you were going to ref Little League football or baseball or something this summer. Or, um, in talking to you, you had plans. And, um, and even beyond just like this summer, uh, a lot of you guys had plans for uh, what this year was supposed to look like, right? Even just two months ago, uh, what you expected your first year of college, all the things you were going to do when it warmed up uh, in Milwaukee, um, go swimming at Bradford Beach or something. I, there, were, there were plans that you had, um, whether it was your first year or it's your last year and you're looking at graduating, um, there were things that you had your heart set on uh, and that have not come to pass. And the reality is like a lot of those things are good plans, right? It's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to graduate college, right? Uh, I mean, maybe even some of you guys had plans to, uh, bring a friend to RUF, right? Um, when you got back from spring break and now you feel like, uh, or they voiced to you, they don't want to come to a virtual meeting. And so here you are plans foiled. And, uh, when that happens, I think a lot of us get frustrated and we wonder how could God, uh, allow something like this? Uh, we won't actually focus on these first nine verses tonight, but, uh, the first nine verses of the Psalm are actually all about how God has created all things under his power and he has power over all things. Uh, but in times like this, when we think about God being all powerful, uh, sometimes that, uh, that doesn't seem like such a good thing. That God is sovereign and in control feels a little bit uh, unnerving to us. Um, It's hard to see how it could be good uh, because we're frustrated um, that his plan could include a pandemic like this. We had had good plans, plans that he should have approved of, and yet he hasn't. and tonight we're we're going to dive deeper into that emotion of frustration as we look at Psalm 33. And here's 
really uh, what this passage is going to tell us. This is our big idea. He, uh, this is what I want you to take away from tonight. Um, it's this, that we become frustrated when our plan does not line up with God's plan. That's the first thing I want you to take from it. We become frustrated when our plan doesn't line up with God's plan. And the cure for that frustration is to know the heart of God. Right? So uh, two, two things I want you to kind of know from tonight. We become frustrated when our plan does not line up with God's plan. And the cure for that frustration is to know the heart of God. Uh, part of uh, how we're going to do that, that's our, that's our main idea tonight. But how we're going to do that, how we're going to see that more clearly is we're going to look at two points from this passage that uh, it's going to espouse for us that there's a cause for our frustration and there's a cure for our frustration. So those are, if you're a note taker, we have a big main idea and then we have two points. Uh, we have a cause for our frustration and a cure for our frustration. So let's let's read Psalm 33 together. Uh, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, let the words of my my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, so let's jump in to our passage tonight by looking at the, the first point we're making, uh, the, cause of, the cause of our frustration. Uh, look with me at verse 10 first. Uh, this verse is really the turning point of this psalm, away from uh, the first part, which is about God being a powerful creator, to uh, the, the, the heart of the matter, which is that God has a plan that can bring our plans to nothing. Uh, this verse is the, is, uh, the turning point, and, and it's really the source of all our frustration, uh, isn't it? it? It may seem like an obvious point, but we get frustrated when things don't go our way. That's the, the baseline you know, nature of frustration is when something doesn't go your way, you can get frustrated. Um, but 
since this psalm has already been arguing that God is in control of everything, uh, really the common denominator in our frustration is when God's plan differs from our own, right? If, if our plan doesn't come to fruition and God's plan always does, then the source of our fruition is the difference between our plan and God's plan. Uh, and the psalmist is actually going to go on to tell us um, that there are actually two ways to be frustrated, right? There are two causes. There, there are two things that can happen when our plan and God's plan diverges. There are two causes for that, for that to happen. Um, the first is found in verses 16 through 17. Uh, there we have a, a wartime scenario uh, on display, and the, the common denominator of that is that uh, the tools of war, these various tools of war, are ultimately ineffective at winning wars. Right? The psalmist is making a bold claim here that like, if you really let this sink in, it almost seems nonsensical, right? That a king isn't saved by his army, a warrior is not saved by being strong, war horses aren't good hopes for uh, deliverance. Um, this isn't, uh, if, if when we look at that on its surface level, I don't know about you, but if I, uh, I don't know of any kings, I don't know modern day presidents or anything that, that don't enter wars and battles with an army that, that go solo, right? I don't know any, uh, I, I don't know any warriors that think, man, I wish I was wimpier. You know, I, I don't know, modern day athletes, right, for what, whatever that's close to a warlike situation, right? None of them are working on getting smaller. And no football players are hoping that they can get uh, smaller offensive linemen in particular. Maybe some wide receivers want to get faster. But overall, right, when we think of like war, um, these things seem to be things that would make good hopes, would make things that you absolutely need. And I think that's the point that the psalmist is making, that, um, that whatever you put your trust in, even in the most desperate times, like a, like a literal raging battle, where you may not feel, where you may feel like you actually need certain things to count on, those things, even in the most desperate times, cannot save you. Right? He's saying that every king that has ever won a victory, it's because of God's plan. Every war horse that it seems like uh, it can rescue, it, it is only rescued because God has, has made it so. Um, and uh, really what it's calling out to our attention is uh, that there is a sinful way to be frustrated, right? Uh, there are, I said there were two ways to be frustrated. And one of those ways, one of those ways where our plan diverges from God's plan is that we in our sinfulness look to things to satisfy us and, and look to our plans and think these things must happen in order for me to be okay. Uh, the Bible calls these things idols. Um, and we use them instead of God to do what only God has the power and the right to do, which is to tell us that we are enough, that we are safe, that we are significant. These deep cries from our soul, the things that we do uh, the things that we we need actually to live. Like it's it's we do need a sense of safety. That's why we do plan. We we make plans and uh, we think about how we can improve our social lives and we can do all this stuff as an effort to shore up and make ourselves significant and safe in and of ourselves. And 
the psalmist is saying, man, not even in war can an army save a king. How much less so can a social calendar save you in the time of COVID-19, right? How much less so can an internship guarantee you the job you want? Um, All of these things, now more than ever, we should be seeing that these things cannot deliver the promises that they make. Uh, That um, only God, only God is a war horse, right? All other war horses, all other things we can put our trust in are are making false promises. Um, Money, social capital, whatever. Um, I'll let y'all talk a little bit more about what those are for you, but uh, in your small groups, but let's look at the second way that we can be frustrated, right? So the first way is that, uh, the, the first cause is that we, in our sin, look to other things to satisfy what only God can satisfy. Uh, we make plans that, uh, we trust in and we get frustrated when God says, no, you need to trust me. The second way we find in verses 18 through 19, uh, it's kind of a hint here. It's not as explicit as this, but uh, you'll notice that God in these verses 18 through 19, um, we, we find that uh, God's people uh, can, endu- uh, can endure famine, right? That God's going to, there's a promise here that God's going to keep them alive in famine. But the reality is where the psalmist is standing, he sees that God's people are in famine, uh, that um, whatever, and this might be a proverbial famine, right? Maybe he's not literally in one himself at the moment, but either way, he's picturing the reality of um, even God's people can experience some amount of uh, pain and suffering in this life that they don't prepare for, that they don't plan on having. And it's no fault of their own, right? A, a famine isn't, uh, especially not, we can talk about climate change in another time, but uh in their day, right, a famine's not caused by people. It's a natural disaster. It happens out of nowhere. Uh, and so um, the psalmist at least alludes here to the reality that um, not all frustration is sinful, right? We have a f- sinful version of frustration, but also that some frustration is godly, that uh, that you are supposed to pray this psalm when you feel frustrated, that you are supposed to tell God I, I don't know why this is happening and this hurts and I wanted these good things, right? Um, when we want selflessly to um, uh, to be with our friends and to care for them and to enjoy community once again, those are longings that God has put in our heart. It's okay to feel them. So as I talk about frustration, I don't want you to think all of my frustrations are due to me wanting things that God doesn't want. That's not fundamentally sinful, right? It's okay to want food during a famine, right? Even though God has planned the famine. Uh, The point there is uh, that um, there is a place in this, you know, cause. Reality is you have wanted, you want something that God hasn't planned for, right? You're planning something that God hasn't. And there's two ways to do that. Um, But one of them, you know, this one seems to have no answer, right? Why would God do this? I I want good things. I want to, you know, maybe you had plans to start a soup kitchen this summer and you, and you can't, and you're like, why would God stop me from serving in a soup kitchen? Uh, so that leaves us with this lingering question, right? What, 
what are we to do with that? With that feeling of frustration, whether it's sinful or not, what do we do with this? Well, uh, look with me at verses 11 through 12. Uh, these are really our second point. That what's the cure for, for frustration? After outlining uh, that the wisdom of the world, right? The, the previous verse in verse 10, he's saying that the, the wisdom of the world is no match for God's plan. Uh, something we certainly see on display in, in our time, right? The psalmist offers this prayer of hope to sing in these days of sorrow that God's plan stands forever. Now, uh, for some of us, uh, that can actually sound really hollow, quite hollow on its its surface, right? Uh, verse 11 without any context isn't comforti- comforting at all, Um and verse 12 isn't, isn't comforting at all. It's um, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. If, if you just looked around and surveyed what God's heart, what his counsel is based on what you see around us, you might come to the conclusion that God's heart, God's counsel is against us, that he wants us to all be in pain and isolated and hurt and um, disappointed and frustrated Right, and so it's actually might even build up more frustration if you don't know what God's heart is like. Right, it, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, but His plans are from His heart to all generations. So the question is, what what is God's heart like? The cure comes in knowing that and knowing what His heart is like. And the psalmist gives us a, a glimpse of what God's heart is like in verse twelve. He has chosen a people as His heritage. Right, a glimpse into God's counsel and His plans is that uh, He has chosen the people as His heritage. Uh, now, I'll say this: I've seen bumper stickers with verse twelve on them, talking about how like God's made America this Christian nation, and like we all need to fear God in America so that He that America prospers and does better than all the other nations. And I got to tell you, that could not be further from the point of this psalm, right? Uh, in the psalmist's mind, he's thinking particularly of ethnic Israel in his own day, right? This nation that God has covenanted with through their forefather Abraham and, and made a promise to them that he will be their God and they will be his people. Um, but today, as we think about, okay, who, who are God's people today? Is it, is it still Israel? Is it, is it ethnic? Who, who, who is this nation that God has a heart for? Uh, according to 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, this promise, this promise of being God's people, of having a heart for them, uh, has been expanded to include everyone who believes in Jesus. Everyone who believes in Jesus has become a child of God. And Peter writes this in, in, that, uh, in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Uh, guys, this is how the cure becomes an actual cure. Uh, it's, it's knowing that God's heart uh, is not just, that, that God's heart is for us is not just uh, wishful thinking. It, it's it's the truth. It's the fundamental truth upon which all things rest is that God loves his people. 
Um, it, it's, it's what allows us to endure, you know, as the psalmist says, famine, you know, or COVID-19 or any sort of disappointments we face. And it's also the same thing that allows us to hope and, and to trust that God is working these things for our good. Um, and, and it's not empty. This promise, this hope that God's heart is for us isn't empty because we see it most clearly in Jesus. How we've become part of God's family is not by accident. It's a purposeful giving up by the Father, His Son, to die on the cross for our sin. How, how will He who did not spare His own Son not graciously also give us all things? This means that while we may be experiencing frustration and great hardship in this time, we can also rest in knowing that this is for our good. Somehow or another, God has more skin in the game than any of us do, right? He is, his blood is literally on the line in Jesus. And in ways we cannot know, God is at work. He's not given up. Uh, so uh, even in, when we experience this frustration, whether it's sinful or not, right, we can know, uh, we can repent of that, that sinful way and, and, uh, and even in our goodness know that God is working these things for our good, that that is a comfort to us and also allows us to change our plan that is different from God's plan and align it with his own, right? If we know that God's plan is good and we can trust his heart that it is for us, then when we see that our plan isn't the way that God has planned it, we don't have to continue being frustrated. We don't have to continue in our trajectory away from him, but instead come back to him. Uh, I don't know what that looks like in time of COVID. I don't know what it looks like for you to accept God's plan and to work within it, uh, to know that it's for your good and to uh, move toward it. Um, maybe this is a blessing to you because it slows you down. Maybe it's, this is not, and for the record, this is not finding the silver lining in things. This is you resting in God's uh foreknowledge and his uh, provenance and his, uh, his supremacy and walking forward purposefully in that. Um, we're not silver lining Christians like grasping at straws. We're saying, God has put me here for a purpose. And what is that purpose? Um, and, and striving toward that with everything that we have. So uh, in conclusion, we uh, we see that we become frustrated when our plan does not line up with God's plan. And the cure for that frustration is to know God's heart. 